black makeup. Everyone dressed in black. There was no lighting and it was just all black and dark. And I was in that bar and I had a vision, an open vision as an atheist. And it got real light. That's why I say the darkness. And I, the, the glory of God came into that place. It kind of scared me. And I heard uh, singing and it wasn't... Uh, the punk rock wasn't the Sex Pistols or the Clash coming through as angels <laughs> singing. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation today about the Holy Spirit. I sit down with theologian and very wise man, Dr. Peter Bellini, and we talk about the Holy Spirit in a very practical sense. In other words, how do you connect with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to have the power of the Holy Spirit? How do you dive into these topics at a deep personal level? Um, I think you're going to love this conversation. And uh, Dr. B and I were talking about this, and we decided that this should be the first of maybe a couple conversations. So in other words, we want to hear your questions about the Holy Spirit. We want to hear your questions about the Holy Spirit. You can send them to me via email. You can hit me up on my website, uh, twmilt.com, on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you are. We would like to answer your questions about the Holy Spirit. So uh, send those in. In the meantime, listen to this episode as you figure out a way to get connected to the Holy Spirit in new and practical ways. And now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Peter Bellini. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reclamation Podcast. I'm Tony, and I'm excited to bring you today's featured conversation with theologian, friend, and uh, a mentor of mine, Dr. Peter Bellini. How are you, sir? Hey, Pastor Tony. Doing good. Glad to be here. Uh, it is such an honor to talk with you today, and we're going to dive deep into the Holy Spirit and what that looks like in our lives. Uh, but I would love to hear a little bit, and I know I've heard it before, but I'd love you to tell the story about how you came to Christ <laughs> uh, at the campus of Ohio State. It's oh, such mercy. a great story. Oh, oh, mercy. Well, you know, we'll dive deeply into the Holy Spirit, but he wants to dive deeply into us. Oh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's like, oh, what's that like? And we may take take a step back. We you know, right. always feel like we want all of God. It's like, okay, well... You know, God God wants all of us. Well, what does that mean? That could seem kind of kind of scary for people, depending on where they where they're at. If they're desperate, though, that's where I was when I was in graduate school at the Ohio State University. You're you're a little more open. Desperation really seems to be a a presupposition or a premise to go to the next level of uh, of of risk or dare with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like, you know, he's like, okay, you want this? Well, I dare you to take this next step. And, you know, so you got to step out on the water, if you will. So when I was at, at school in graduate school, um, you know, I was pretty desperate. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin my testimony so long. I grew up in the Roman Catholic Church. I was pretty devout. Uh, my parents divorced when I was uh, a young teenager, and uh, that kind of was difficult. It busted our household up, and you know, is it teenagers are rough as it is, and so uh, you know, all the things that teenagers fall into or, or, or are tempted with and explore. You know, I got hit with all that big time when my parents divorced, mm. and by the time I got in college, you know, I, I was uh, always a good student and on the dean's list and all that. But you know, I was sure living a crazy life, and I grew up in a real rough neighborhood that was controlled by you know. Uh, a certain kind of businesses i'll leave it at that <laughs> and uh you know i was doing that kind of stuff when i was in college you know i'm like you know i got my own bodyguard i'm carrying i'm heavy going to class and doing different kinds of you know businesses that weren't coming out of the business college if you will uh and um i was empty 
I was empty. Yeah. I was hungry. I was empty. I was lost. Uh, um, long story short, uh, some of my academics got me into uh, atheism. I was already there in my heart, kind of, and I'm like, oh, now I have reasons why I don't have to believe in God. So I even hardened my heart more. Um, it all came to a culmination when I was in graduate school. God is so merciful, and God was pursuing me when I wasn't pursuing him. Mm. Uh, he loves us long before we, we love him. And uh, I, I was blessed. I don't count this as any kind of spiritual merit badge because um, it wasn't that at all. It was the opposite. It's really what I needed. God knows what we need knows how to reach us in our in our point place of need and where we're at and uh i was at a bar um where i used to help my buddy uh as a bouncer and uh, this bar was really crazy it was a real dark bar back then it would have been like a punker bar and it was everything was black the uh, everyone dressed in black everyone had black makeup on not me black makeup everyone dressed in black there was no lighting and it was just all black and dark and i was in that bar and I had a vision, an open vision as an atheist, and it got real light. That's why I say the darkness. And I, the, the glory of God came into that place. It kind of scared me. And I heard uh, singing, and it wasn't uh, the punk rock. It wasn't the Sex Pistols or the Clash coming through. It was angels <laughs> singing. And uh, I, No, so this, this because I, I, I think uh, people have a hard time grasping the idea of a vision. Right. So is this happening in your head? Is this happening in the room? Sure, is this, sure. What's I mean? Sure. Are you you're 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 bouncing one minute and the next minute you're seeing uh, light and hearing angels? Yeah, I think I was just uh, I, I was I was just, I was uh, I was sitting down with my friends at the table and I, w- I had been drinking you know drinking beer but I I drink before I did one drinking and it never wore off thirty one years later. Wow. <laughs> but um, you know I think the, the vision I had even though it looked like the glory of God filled that dark bar and it was like I could see it like I see you now. No one else could see it, of course. So it was probably, you know, something as a spiritual vision that was, you know, uh, more than just in my mind's eye. It was an open vision. Okay. And I heard God calling me from that point, and I wrestled. I left that bar immediately. I was kind of scared. He scared the tar out of me, actually. I had three revelations that that night. That was the first one. And all the way home, God was speaking to me that he's real and he exists. First revelation is that God exists because I was was really bent on he doesn't. God's abandoned me. God doesn't even exist. Atheism. And uh, so that first revelation was that God is real. God exists. And I was struggling in my conscience with that. The second revelation I got is I was going into the door of my apartment and um, God was starting to convict me that, you know, hey, you think you're, you're struggling with me, me as existing as God. Well, you know what? You've been living as if you think you're your own God, calling your own shots and living the life the way you want to live. But ultimately, you haven't even been your own God. You've been serving the devil. And I'm thinking in my head as I'm having this interior dialogue, well, I have a hard time believing God. I sure don't believe in no goofy devil, pitchfork, horns, all of that. And it was in that moment, and this is the second revelation, was God speaking to me. It's almost like God took the mask off of my eyes where I thought, you know, hey, there's no God. There's no consequences. There's no devil. This is just me living my life. And I really felt, I, mu- I got a glimpse of what God saw. Wow, um, the darkness, uh, the blindness, spiritually. And for a, for a, for a few seconds, I couldn't see. I don't know how long it was—10, 20 seconds for a while. I just could not see. I felt my whole soul inflamed with with fire. And I know people don't like to hear that kind of stuff. And it's we don't want to hear about hellfire. I didn't either. I was an atheist, but that's what I felt. I literally felt my whole soul on fire, and God got my attention. 
Yeah. Revelation number two. I go into my apartment and I'm nervous. I'm scared. I go to my bookshelf. I'm an academic. I'm a student, grad school, and I go to my world religion section and I have uh, the 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 Quran, the Bhagavad Gita, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Dhammapada, and I got a King James Bible there and I crack it open open it up to first john 1 1 and uh, i'm really smitten by what i read there and what i see as someone who was a grad student in philosophy and it says you know does disciples talking about you know him who we heard seen were with and touched the word of life and that whole that title word of life really hit me and knowing enough of greek and philosophy to know that's the logos and all that that meant for Philosophers and what I understood that to mean in the Greek philosophical tradition, and Jesus saying that's Him. You know, he He's the all in all. He's the reason for being. So that really hit me there, and uh, that that's when I um, and I uh, that's when I got that th- third revelation of Christ. So first revelation, God exists. Second revelation, the devil's real. The third one, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is God, and uh, I had the, this vision was in my mind's eye, and it was. Um, uh, it was a mountain, and Christ was on the mountain. I just heard his voice, and he was beginning to preach to me stuff that I probably remember from back uh, when I was young from the Gospel of John, which I had studied with a, a, a young lady who tried to lead me to the Lord when I was in high school, and I just... I, I was studying the Bible with her for other reasons. <laughs> uh, amen. <laughs> yeah, when she asked if I want to study the Bible, I told her I would study anything with her. Right. <laughs> so uh, Jesus, I just heard the voice of the Lord begin to speak some of the I am statements from the book of John and really just got a hold of me. And at that point, I realized, man, I, he is who he says he is, and I need him. And not just that, I felt like God had me in like a submission hold and uh, time to tap out. Uh, because I couldn't go any further in life, and he was just making it real clear, you know, hey, you're going on the way to, of destruction, and here's the way of the life, and the choice is yours. And so at that point, I, I got on, on my knees to begin to pray, and I couldn't even pray. Um, the presence of evil, which I didn't realize before now, was so evident. My mouth was like, there was like a hand on my mouth. I couldn't even confess Jesus as Lord. And at that point, I realized the devil's real, wow. and evil's real. Um, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I know I really need to believe and confess. I remember that from a day gone by, and it's in Scripture. And I says, well, I, f- I felt like I heard the Lord say, well, just write your confession. Ask me to come into your heart. Write it out. Well, I went to write it out, and I felt that same pressure on my mouth was on my hand. And I couldn't write. And I'm like, you know, can't talk, can't write. God, got to help me here. And at that point, I think the Lord heard my heart, knew my heart's cry, and I felt the power of God come on me like I never experienced in my whole life. Hmm. Um I felt the power of God come and just kind of break the strongholds of everything that I was doing, involved in. It's, it's just beyond words what happened, this kind of night and day, what we call new birth or born again experience of the Holy Spirit coming on me and Jesus coming into my heart and delivering me and setting me free and just filling me with his love was the big thing that I saw above all was the love of God. And I realized, you know what, this is what I looked for in every relationship, in every book I cracked, in every beer I downed, whatever I was into, I was looking for this, that he is, in him is life. And that life is the light of men and women. That that life that he gives 
is what we're all looking for. Yeah. And uh, so at that point, um, I decided to give my life fully to the Lord, and I didn't look back. I, you know, I gave my life to Christ fully. And went yeah, did that mean that you stopped all the extracurriculars activity? I mean, like, I, yeah. I, I think I think people often struggle with that idea: is that, hey, when I follow Jesus, does that mean I? I mean, what does that what does that mean on on Tuesday? Yeah, right. right. Well, you know, when God calls us, He calls everyone in one way, the same way he calls them to radically surrender to him. But it may look differently for different people and wherever their context and their situation is. So for me, I went I went to school the next day and I was uh, in class and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me clearly saying all of this up to this point in your education and your plans to go on and be a professor, get your doctorate and be a professor. These are all your plans. These aren't my plans. You've built, you spent your whole life building your own kingdom. Now that you've let me in, I'm Lord, and I have a whole different plan for you. And you have a new king in your life. And so I want to build my kingdom in you, and no longer you building your own kingdom. And so the way, and God speaks to us uniquely. Me, I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of person. God knows now, that. Now, when you say that the Holy Spirit spoke to you, was it like an audible voice in right. your head? Was right, it like right. uh Right, right, right. What I mean, because I think people often wonder, Right. well, how do you define the Holy Spirit? Maybe we should even start there because it's it's often like the stepchild of the Trinity. Right. How, how would you define the Holy Spirit to someone that's kind of new to this walk with Jesus? Right. It was like the theologian comes out. Well, you know, there's one 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 divine being in three persons, and he's the third person of the Trinity. You know, and so, of course, there that's just that's the standard answer. The Holy Spirit is God. Plain and simple, the Holy yeah. Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is, uh, uh, you know, you have we th- we understand God the Father. He created everything. So okay, we pray to the Father, our Father which art in heaven. We understand God is Creator. And uh, so he's, he's, he's God above us, over us, he's Lord. And um, that same God sends his son. Who's God? God from God, light from light, as the creed says. The father sends the son. And the son is, uh, comes on this earth to die for, live and die for us. Yeah. So it's God over us. This is God for us. Jesus is God for us, our advocate our intercessor, our savior, our mediator. He's he's the one who expresses and, and, and shows the love of the Father to us. He's God for us. And we understand that. You know, if Jesus is for me, who could be against me? He died for me. You know, he died for my sins. We understand God forces Jesus. Holy Spirit is God. It's the third person in the in in this processional relay of persons that come to do God's mission. And the Holy Spirit is God uh, in us. Jesus God over us. God for us, God in us. It's it's all it's God in three persons. The mm-hmm. Holy Spirit is God living within me. Not some new agey thing like, oh, everyone has a spark of divine life, it's God within me. No, the based on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and finished work of salvation, he sends the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He sent him on Pentecost. And, and into the world but the holy spirit when we receive christ in our heart is the holy spirit living in us so the night before um when you accepted jesus christ into your life right and you surrendered to him yeah are you then immediately infused with the holy that spirit? was the holy spirit because no one could confess jesus as lord without the holy spirit right. the holy spirit is god uh, the spirit working with the work that jesus has done for us he's the one that then convicts me 
uh, of my sin. He convicts me that I need a Savior. He convicts me of who Jesus is, that he died for my sins and that I need him. So can he you be that a Christian inner work. He does Can you be a Christian work. and not have the Holy Spirit? No. No. You can't confess Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit. Obviously, I had the Holy Spirit working in my life from the outside as an even, atheist. Even before. He's, yeah. As an atheist, he was preparing me. He, the, the scriptures tell us in John 16, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us or prove to us, convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So he's working in unbelievers' lives. And as Wesleyans or Methodists, we believe that God works preveniently to draw us and lead us to Christ through whatever means possible. So through through our conscience, through friends, through circumstances. Um, me, again, not a merit badge, but probably because my hard-headedness and hard-heartedness, I really needed a, a, a strong special invitation. Uh, here it is. I'm sending you a, a telegram, you know. A submission hold. A submission hold. It's not because I was so spiritual. Oh, look at me. I had all these revelations and whatnot. When God's got to send major stuff, when God's got to send you a whale to swallow you, hmm. You know, it's not because you're holy and spiritual and he's got to send a whalegram to you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're running the wrong way and extreme measures are needed. Amen. Amen. That's that's where I'm at. That's Uh, where I was at. So good. So the Holy Spirit is God living within us and he he speaks to us in a very supernaturally a very naturally supernatural way. So it's not always, I've never. I, mean, I think maybe a couple times heard God audibly. God does not speak to me audibly. I don't think he speaks to anyone regularly audibly. God speaks to us through the scriptures. That's the sure word of God's testimony. And then he speaks to our hearts in our own thinking, in our own mind, sometimes in our own intuitions, our own impressions. He speaks to us through the pastor's sermon. He speaks to us through the sunrise, through the sunset, through creation, through our conscience. Uh, through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he gives me some kind of understanding in my heart uh, that I couldn't know otherwise. This is what I'm talking about, about the Spirit speaking. So when I'm sitting in the classroom, it's like God is just putting an impression on my heart using my own thoughts and speaking to me. Often he speaks to me like a neighborhood guy like me. Hey, yo, you know, you need to get your life right. Because that's how I understand. The God of all creation says, hey, yo. Exactly. <laughs> I you love know, it. No, got, I love it. You got four gospels. You got four different writers. He's speaking the same message. It's through four different voices. So I just heard the Lord basically tell me those things. It's time to turn everything over and let him build his kingdom in me. And then I, so right after I, that class, I withdrew from school and uh, just started following him like, radically what did what did the people in your life think i thought i was crazy of course but the things i was doing before yesterday you keep keep doing those i didn't want to that was the last thing i needed i was so radically converted and again i think i needed that i needed i was going so far the other direction so much gravitational pull towards the flesh and sin i needed enough thrust and escape velocity going in the other direction to break the gravity of the pull of where i was going which was very dangerous Hmm. So God knew that and uh, took all those things away from me. So I immediately got rid of and was delivered of everything and anything I was involved in immediately, instantaneously. And it wasn't out of any kind of spiritual strength or decision. It was just God took it away. So I had I needed that. Where some things I know God does for other people gradually. So now I have things in my life that are that God gradually works with. Sometimes like. Uh, millimeter at a time and i'm like god remember when you took everything away right away that was great can you do that now right no you're... but well because sometimes the wrestle is part of the process right yeah we need that and at the time god knew i couldn't handle that i think yeah and so delivered me and a lot of those things later in life would bring back so i could more work it out 
But um, so, yes, got delivered of these things, and friends thought I was crazy. I was always a, God called me to, to, to lead. So I, I, had, I had friends that would follow me down the wrong paths, and they had no problem then and didn't ask any questions like, why are we doing crazy things? Yeah. And now that I'm following the Lord, that, became, that was crazy, not, you know, doing the crazy things I yeah. was doing before. You're, you're going heavy to class, but why are we following Jesus? <laughs> right, right. right. You know, we were doing things we should have been dead over. Well, how did we even live through that? And that wasn't crazy, but now that you want to serve the Lord, that's crazy. Well, most of those friends, eventually in God's timing, I, I shared the gospel with them and led them to the Lord. Most of them got converted. So you, you quit school, but then stayed there and became a... a... I ministered on campus. Yeah. I was about like six, seven-day-old Christian. I started uh, preaching the gospel. God told me, go in the middle of the campus at the quad, which is called the Oval at the Ohio State University, and uh, begin to share the gospel. So I just started sharing the gospel as a six, seven-day-old Christian. And you have like two, three, four hundred students and gathering around you and listening and cutting class for them. Normally they just do that to mock you and all that, but sometimes there were there were people there to listen and hear, kind of a mixed bag. But that's how my ministry, uh, my ministry got started. And so my closeness, my understanding of the Holy Spirit, closeness with the Holy Spirit, and hearing God and, and experiencing these things we're talking about of God being so close to our life, you're hearing things, you're seeing things mm-hmm. and whatnot, um, was always there for me. Because I needed it, and I knew God would eventually call me to teach others, you know, how to hear from the Holy Spirit, how to experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Because even though I had that salvation experience, God always wants to give us more. So I later learned there's even more that God wants to do in and through me, and so we grow in that relationship. But I've always had that since I first came to the Lord because I I needed it. So let me ask you this, because I, I think that there are a lot of people listening who feel like they've come to the Lord, but they don't understand the power, the importance, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and I, I know in um, in my life, you've you've walked with me through that process, and I've, I've, I've taken all your classes, and we've talked at length about Lord the Holy Spirit. Lord have mercy on you. Right, right. They're great classes. I uh, strongly recommend them. Um, but how does somebody grow to gain an understanding of the Holy Spirit in their walk? Um, yeah, because the average person isn't going to have this kind of Paul Damascus Road experience like I did. Those are that's not the norm, right? So, Most people aren't having visions in bars, right? So I try to tell people that first of all, don't measure you know God's working in your life or not working in your life if it doesn't look like this. Not like my right. experience. Yeah, you'll, you'll because, die in a comparison. Right, track. because now I've been walking with the Lord for 31, 32 years, and I don't have any of those major cataclysmic experiences anymore. I really don't, I don't think I need them so much. God speaks to me in all of that, but I don't need the radical wake-up call. I'm, I've been awakened. So God make, speaks to me more subtly. So uh, what I would tell people in terms of trying to cultivate what I think I hear you're saying is how do I cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit? First of all, recognize as a Christian that the Holy Spirit lives within you. Mm. You are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in you. And he's, he, is, he has a, a function and a purpose and a role to live in you. Um, there's a lot of things I could say he does, but I like to focus just like on the three Ps. Presence, purity, and power. The three mm. Ps of the Holy Spirit, just to make it memorable for people. He's the presence of God in you because he is God. 
So how do we know God exists? How do we experience God? Holy Spirit, he's the divine agent of, uh, of, ex- of experiencing God. He, he's the agent of divine experience, if you will, because he is God. So in other words, he's the presence of God in your life. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus Christ is at the right hand of God. Where's the Holy Spirit? In you. Living in me. And so just to become aware of that for people is a seismic shift. We could, we could, we can kind of grasp God's way up there. He's big. He's got his own issues. He's got his own stuff. He's dealing with all the world issues and all of that. You know, little me over here, what does God care? Well, he does. So much so he decided to step into a human body, die for us, and even more to step into your body, the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's right there. He is a guest. He's a holy, the Holy Ghost is a holy guest. <laughs> <laughs> and he lives in you, so you got to be aware of that. So there's a lot of people who are listening right now who think that um, they're too messed up. They're too messed up. Oh, like, goodness. Then call me up and I'll give you the, 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 the rated R version for real, <laughs> for my testimony that you're too messed yeah, up. Yeah, so do you think that there's any amount of messed upness? that's not a word, but you get what I'm saying, that could keep the Holy Spirit from being inside of you? Uh, no, I mean, no, I, I read the Bible, really look at each one of the characters, if you will, in the Bible, the Abrahams, the liars, the Davids, the adulterers and murderers, right. you know, look at some of these characters. These are not holy people. They're holy because God's holy. After God gets a hold of them, he touches what's unholy and it becomes holy. But these people are not holy characters. These are, uh, uh, some of them are everyday sinners, and some of them are some serious top 10 of all time, big time sinners. Right. So, and God's grace, where sin abounds, God's grace abounds more. God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Not to give us a license to sin, but to let us know that no one is so far gone when God decides to come off the throne and jump into a human body to save us and go to that extent and taste death on our behalf, that's why he came. So sin wouldn't disqualify us. So we shouldn't self-disqualify ourselves because of our sin. That's why he came. He came to save us. So we shouldn't start to condemn ourselves. He came to save us. And so a lot of these persons in Scripture, persons outside of Scripture, the Augustines, the Luthers, the Wesleys, et cetera, et cetera, and the nobodies like me, uh, he was able to save us regardless of where we were at. I was doing, I was walking away that most people that are, you're saying, you know, if they feel there's, you know, can the Holy Spirit work with them? They've been, you know, they've, they've been so far gone. Most of those people were not as far gone as I was. Yeah. And I know persons, friends of mine, who were in what I was into much deeper than me. Sure. Much deeper than me, who got saved in prison cells and whatnot. And uh, did and had a whole lot bigger business, if you will, than I did. And God saved them. So I don't think that God's, God's not intimidated and put off by people's sins or whatever their belief system is. Nothing, nothing intimidates God. God's been changing human diapers 
for thousands of years. If you know that image as a father and I'm a grandfather, when you open up that diaper, there's a whole lot of things you see in there, but there's nothing that God hadn't seen. Mm. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so we got a whole lot. So my analogy I'm making is between sin and what's in that diaper. Right, I love it. No, <laughs> so I love it. God has no problem with it. So Tony, it's like this, Pastor Tony. Do you take a shower? You're dirty. You went out working all day and you go to take a shower. Do you take a shower before you take a shower? No. No. No one cleans themselves up to go into the shower. The shower is where you get cleaned up. No one takes a shower to be ready before they can come to Jesus. Yeah. It's like Jesus is so pure. And, oh, I'm not ready yet. Look, I'm so dirty. No, that's the shower. He's come to wash away your sin. You don't take a shower and get clean before you go in the shower to get clean. I love it. I so love no it. one's that far gone. I mean, read the Bible. These dudes did everything. They, you know. There's no, yeah, it's not new. It's not new. It's David, all... the man after God's own heart. Yeah. And hot women and their and their husbands and and put an order on them and had the husband whacked you know right that's right he had the husband whacked he had, right I, I agree I agree uh, man good. after God's own heart uh, and still regarded as one of the greatest kings in all of time yeah you know that's, Jesus sits on the throne of David right it's crazy okay so, uh, so that, God's not the, intimidated by any of that the first P was um, presence the second so P is so first of all recognize that when you're in church when you're at home when you're in your prayer time and you are you sense God's presence or you're on the golf course or wherever that's the Holy Spirit Yeah. so you have a holy guest so first of all recognize that I think a lot of times people hear the Holy Spirit experience the Holy Spirit but they don't identify it as the Holy Spirit they misinterpret it like little Samuel did when he was being trained by Eli in the tabernacle and he was sleeping and God was speaking to him and he thought it was Samuel or, or Eli calling him and he, he was he was mistaken the supernatural for something natural and that's what we do so anyways the first piece presence recognize God's presence and God's presence is, how do we recognize the presence of the Lord? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. When we see that fruit, we know it's coming from that tree. It's the Spirit's fruit, so the tree is the Spirit that's producing it. So that fruit is one of the ways we know God's presence. It's not just a feeling, though it can be. P, presence. Second P, purity. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of sanctification. <laughs> he's, he's the Holy Spirit. His first name is Holy. So he's telling you what he's come to do. He's come to make us holy. Not our version of holy. My version of holy has a lot of holes in it. Oh, man. Tell me more about that. Well, there's no holiness in me. I mean, you know, I could think I'm a good person or a righteous person in my own eyes. But then when I look at Jesus and I look at God's standards, like the Ten Commandments or any of the, the law, which I know we're not saved by the law, but the law gives us the knowledge that we're sinners, Romans 3 says. So when I look at God's perfect measuring rod as to what he thinks is holy, have no other gods before me. Okay, Pete, do you go throughout the day and put something ahead of God in your thought life ever? Uh, yeah, like all the time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> okay, well, you're not very, you, you know, how holy are you? You look good until... The standard came. So it's like me saying, Tony, here's a piece of paper, Pastor Tony. Draw a straight line as best you can. You draw a straight line. looks pretty good. Then I get a square, a rule to really see, and I see all the little bumps and squiggles. I get the magnifying glass out, and I see, well, you know, your version of straight isn't very straight when it's measured against the absolute standard. Uh, you know, officer, I, I thought my speedometer said I was driving 40 right, miles an hour. Right. Well, I, yeah, here's, so God's holiness is different than our human 
goodness that we think is good. And we always compare ourselves, instead of to the highest standard, we compare ourselves to the lowest standard. We all go, well, you know, I'm not at least killing anybody. I ain't murdered anybody. We, we go to the lowest standard to make ourselves justified and feel good. I mean, goodness, in our society today, we don't even acknowledge evil that much. The only, the only standard we have of what is evil we, is like maybe Adolf Hitler. I mean, the worst possible example is that we don't want to be like that. Right. But we don't see how God sees things and God's holiness. And that's what he measures us by. And that's what he wants to transform us by. We're not capable of that. That's why we can't save ourselves. And we can't make ourselves holy by me trying to be a good person. It's not, it's not going to, my works don't work. Yeah. They don't work. God needs to give it to us as a gift. That's what salvation is. And that's what his purity is. He comes in and he makes us holy. He promised he would give us a new heart and take away the stony heart. So God knows my heart. He knows what's in it. There's no good thing in it. In my eyes, it may look good, but it's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. He says, I'm going to make an exchange. You give me your heart. Which sometimes I have a hard time with because I want to be in control. Yeah. Like everybody, I'm a I'm, recovery I'm control addict. So God says, give me your heart and I'm going to give you my heart. And that heart is a heart where I'm going to write my law on it. In other words, I'm going to make it natural for you to love me. Mm. Because ultimately we're talking about laws and all that. It's, that's all manifested and summed in love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. God wants us to love him. Wesley saw that. He saw God's love as a perfect holy love. So holiness was not about all of these do's and don'ts. Holiness was about being like Jesus, being Christ-like, and especially defined in terms of his love. So it's a holy love. So I can't do that, man. You know, I'm sure your listeners out there, you know, you're anyone out there that's married, has kids, is there? you ever have days where the people you supposedly love or are you supposed to love? You don't like very much? Right. You know? That's absolutely true. So love is tough. I mean, I got a teenager, man. That's unreal over Lord here where I'm mercy. living. Lord, yeah. That's they're made to sanctify us. <sighs> so God gives us his love to sanctify us. So he, his, he wants to make us pure and holy in the sense of how he is. Mm. And it's a gift. And so that's, a, that's something that we need to yield to to allow God to work in us and give us his fruit. By surrendering. So one of the ways in which that's done, you like, how do people do that in their everyday life and cultivate the Holy Spirit, is Wesley talked about the means of grace. And what that meant was, I'm going to give you grace, and here's the way, here's the means in which I'm going to do it. by. So if you meet me here, I, I will minister my grace to you. Going to church is a way that God ministers grace to us. Taking the Lord's Supper is a way that God ministers grace to us. Being in a discipleship relationship is a means by which how God gives grace to us. So we have these corporate means, and then we have like individual means. Like, for example, uh, in my prayer time is a means of grace. When I pray, God meets me there and gives me the grace that I need. When I search the scriptures and read the Bible, personally in my devotion time, or in a small group, or in worship service, searching the scriptures and meditating on God's word is a means of grace. Me personally, I need to set aside personal time every day, and I do it at night, in order to do that, just like I set aside time to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I need to set aside time to feed my spirit. So in our house, we actually have a set-aside prayer room. We have a prayer chapel in our house. Mm. And, and so to show we're intentional. And uh, we go there in the morning, my wife and I, and once in a while my, my son goes in there. He needs to go in there more often than he does. <laughs> and take time, give God the time it needs to cultivate a relationship, which relationships need quality time. Sure. So 
I take that time to do a lot of listening, to hear God speak to me. It's a dialogue. I don't want to be just giving God my monologue, grocery list, God, here's what I want you to do, boom, 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 boom. I expect that God is going to speak to me in a conversation between God and I. God has more important things to say than I do, so I want to hear. Well, when was the last time God talked to you? Well, I was in prayer this morning, and I took time to be with the Lord, and um, God spoke to me this morning. I mean, so I listened to him, and um, I expect him to, and he does. Sometimes he just speaks to me directly in that still, small voice, interiorly, not external, you know, God's audible voice. He speaks to me in impressions, kind of impresses things on my heart. Sometimes he'll show me things in the convicting ways. In other words, like he'll, he may recall a situation and go, well, remember what happened yesterday? Remember how you responded to your, to your, your, your kid? That was a little harsh. Here's how you should, it could have been, and here's how you can make that right. That's how God works, very gently. Can you share what he shared with you this morning? He shared with me a lot of different things this morning, but... Uh, um, I'm just kind of like getting a feel for the kind of stuff that... Well, when I woke up, God me and my says. wife had good prayer time yesterday. Yeah. And uh, what we do regularly, we kind of, as much as we, 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 we're supposed to do it daily, sometimes it gets too complicated in terms of what our day looks like. We don't get to do it every day. But we yesterday, we have um, we went to the prayer our prayer chapel, and we have kind of like these... Uh, sort of prayers that are related to our marriage vows, kind of, and they're confessional okay. about how we treat each other and how we talk to each other. And we make sure that every day we, we bless each other, but we confess our sins to each other, even sins we may committed against each other. So we did that yesterday, and it was, a, it was a real good time. And in the morning, the first thing I heard the Lord put on my, on my heart, and it was just an impression, it was a very quiet, still, small voice right inside my conscience, and I'm sure everyone, hopefully, Here's that they have a conscience, right? You know that the Bible says it excuses or accuses. You do something and it gives you the green light and excuses you and says, "Yeah, that was fine." Or it gives you the red light and it says, "No, you know, didn't do it right." Or it gives you the yellow light, kind of proceed with caution. I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me in this impression and said, "I'm very pleased by what you and your wife did last night." Hmm. I'm like, "Oh, that's nice. I'm glad I made you happy, Lord. I'm sure there's." Not enough of those, <laughs> and, <laughs> right. you know, and I need to do more of that. It's nice. I want to make you happy, God, with me. You know, I want you to say, well done. So he, he was telling me that that went well. That was good. So he gave me an affirmation. That's awesome. He encouraged me, gave me a green light. And I'm like, oh, that's cool, Lord. Well, Lord, you know what, God, I need to do that more. We need to do that more. Help me to do that more. Help me to be more attentive, to follow through more with that. So that was kind of a way in which... You know, God spoke to me. And that was just by simply taking time to listen. Then I was uh, opening up the scriptures. Sometimes I'll listen to God and have music on. Other times I'll just crack the Bible, or sometimes both. And I just was going through the scriptures, and God was taking me into some psalms and whatnot. And he would just kind of, as I read the scriptures, he would just kind of, you know, point them at me. And, you know, press them on me gently and say, well, here's what I have for you. Here's how this could work. Here's how you need this. Okay, Lord, you know, and I'm so just hearing him through the scriptures. He's talking through the scriptures like a hand fitting in a glove. He's working with the scriptures and putting his voice in the voice of scripture. And this is all part of that means of grace idea. Yeah, this is taking time to be holy, as the old hymn said, to uh, be aware of his presence, but to allow God to, to, to purify me. And then he starts to show me, you know, areas and saying, you know, hey, I, you know, I need you to be spending more time with me and less time on your cell phone. So there's a, Woo! I get that regularly because it's like, Lord, we have to live with these goofy phones, this extension. It's almost like our digital self. And um, 
it gets to the point where it's almost like knee jerk. It's like you feel like you constantly have to be with your phone and be checking your phone more than you check on God. So it's like if you were to if you were to calculate and tally up all the minutes you spent meditating on the Lord and in God's presence in a day, and all the time you're on your cell phone, compare the minutes. If Verizon could send you a report to compare the minutes, <laughs> it wouldn't look that good. I wouldn't want to. I, I wouldn't, wouldn't look want that to. Good. So the Lord's telling me, you know, hey, I, I wish your mind was on me as much as it's on your phone, whether you're checking right. emails or checking Facebook or checking texts and all of that. And I mean, there's, there's a place for all that stuff, but I think we've given it way more importance than we've given God. So that would be a way how God kind of convicts. He just kind of says, hey, you know, do you ever notice that, you know, throughout the day you're always checking your phone and how little you're checking me? Mm. Uh, yeah, God. So you kind of feel, you know, no one wants to hear that stuff. No one likes to have the truth told to them. You know, if, right. you, if you think you do, then check your reaction next time your spouse tells you the truth about you. If you really like the truth oh, sure. being told right. to you. Right. We don't. Or, or if your kids tell you the truth about you. Oh, we don't that's... like that. So it can make us feel uncomfortable. Well, that's what conviction does. It makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes we need to be discomforted a little to get us out of that zone. And to say, well, God, well, what would you have for me? Well, you know, here's what I would have. And he, God will sometimes give me... He'll give you guidelines. God, yeah. And it's, he'll just use your own reason, sanctified reason. Say, okay, well, can you do some better time management? And then from there, he'll say, I'll let you figure it out. You got a brain? Mm. Okay, God, well, maybe I could be doing this or doing this. and doing. I don't need a supernatural revelation for everything. He got my attention. He's like, you figure it out. Okay, God, I will. And then you let me know if it's, he says, well, you'll know if it works. You'll tell by the fruit. You'll get your Verizon report, <laughs> if you will. And this is, all part, this is all part of that purify, right, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, i got to give God the time to work in me and be sensitive for that quality time to see how he's working in me. And these are ways, for example, how he's trying to make me more, more Christ-like, to fill me more with his love so that I can be able to love others. Because when, when I don't take time to take care of myself, I'm not good for anybody. Amen. They get me at my worst instead of at my best. You know, the best part about this is that these steps are so simple that anyone can do any of them. Right. Right. And so anyone can read scripture. Anyone can pray. Any Like there's no, like you don't have to be an academic theologian to, to pull no, this off. No, God prefers that I'm not. I mean, he wants me to come as a little child and being open and willing to communicate and talk with him. Pray, read the word, have a journal with you. If he gives you stuff to, so you can remember and write it down. <clears throat> And this helps. That's the second piece, the purity. And I know we just want to get in that third P, and then we could maybe go back if we're missing things so we don't miss the power part, which is a part I think what a lot of times people struggle with. Yeah. That Jesus promised us he would send the Holy Spirit to the disciples. And not just to them, because later in that chapter in Acts 2, he says this is for your children's children. It's, in other words, it's for all generations. He said, I give you power, which means in the Greek, God's divine ability, which we need. Because we're talking about things that we don't have the power to do. I can't make myself holy. I can't love the unlovable. I can't change myself. Uh, our New, Year, New Year's resolutions all end up the same. Right. He gives us divine ability, power. He says, I give you my power so that you can be my witnesses. Mm. So you can, with your life, your words, your actions, so you can witness to my truth, which is Christ, through your life. A living epistle, a living letter of God through your life. How am I going to do this? I'm giving you power so you can do this at home, to your neighbor, and wherever you go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. Kind of concentric circles. Start in your own life. Start at home. 
then start with your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? You know, the Judea, the Samaria, and then who's the stranger? He gives us power to do these things. And we look at it in the book of Acts and we see that Jesus promised them, you're going to do the same things I do and, and even greater. So in the book of Acts, they end up doing the same things Christ did. They proclaimed his word boldly. They experienced personal life transformation. Peter, who was so fearful of being a follower of Christ that he denied him three times when they asked, do you know him? No. You know, <laughs> Hard he, pass. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Pass. So he was filled with the power of God that he could be bold and give that proclamation he did on in Acts chapter 2 uh, in front of you know, the religious leaders who he was fearful of. So he, had a, he went through a life transformation. Paul went through a life transformation. So they received power to have a transformed life, to be bold in their proclamation, and even more than that, to do things like cast out demons, resist evil, heal the sick, work miracles. And I know that for people is the big leap. It's a big leap if you think you got to find a way to do it in your own strength. It's impossible. But if it's God living in you, doing it through you, how impossible is that? All things are possible for him that are impossible for us. Yeah. And so we got to let God have that room in us that he wants to use even me. And you think, well, can he do that again? Look at the people he used. Sure. He Look at the donkey he used. He could use anybody. And he used people, even like Peter, who sinned and denied him three times. Like back to that, can he, you know, even if I've sinned, he denied him three times. And he, God was still used him mightily. The Holy Spirit wants to manifest his power in us, his kingdom power. To be a witness for Christ. And it begins with us so that that power lives in our life. To overcome things in our life. So we can be overcomers. Overcome our flesh. Have victory in our mind. Have victory in our thought life. Victory over our emotional life. Victory in our relationships. Victory in our marriage. Victory with our children. He wants us to be overcomers in a sense. Walking by the Spirit. Producing the fruit of the Spirit. He gives us the power to do all these things. We're more than conquerors because of His love that prevails in us. And to even do other kinds of things. It's... You know, that may freak some of the people out. That is, you know, lay hands on the sick, and the Bible says they shall recover. Cast out demons, work miracles. I've seen all of these things, and I and it's not just because I'm special. I've taught it, and I've watched persons in the classrooms that I teach, and the parishioners that I pastored, because I pastored for many years, uh, do the same things Jesus did, just because they simply have childlike faith to say, God, you said it, you promised it in your word, so I'm going to try to step out. I would tell people just step out in little things. Believe, Start to believe God for small things. Someone's sick, pray for them. Stand on the scriptures that, that God's going to heal them and allow God to work. Before you disqualify and say, well, no, God can't. Let, let, let God handle his end of it. Just believe. So here's a question that most people are going to ask. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, then uh, is, am, am I, is that? Am I a dud with the Holy Spirit? Well, what do you mean it doesn't work? I don't know. You tell me. No, because <laughs> right, I, you know. right. Like if if I pray for somebody to be healed of cancer, right, and they don't well, the get healed of cancer, the does... doesn't work. Thing I don't believe in. I believe if someone prays in faith according to God's word, it always works. Now, what what do I mean by it works? may be different than what you may think. You know, it, it may mean that, that someone has instantaneously healed of all the symptoms that they have. It may mean that. It may mean that over a process, over a period of time, they're healed of symptoms. 
Hmm. It may mean that it's their time and, I'm, and, and they need to know who Christ is so they can experience the ultimate healing and resurrection. God's wording always works when we mix it with faith, and God always works. I leave it up to God to determine the results of how he's going to heal and when he's going to heal. But I stretch my faith so that if God wants to heal totally immediately or incrementally or use doctors or allow persons to go through things that he's bringing them through to overcome, or ultimately if it's their time to be with him. He's the Lord over that. I don't heal anybody. I just pray the prayer of faith. So it sounds like in order to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, all we have to do is step out in faith. I think we need to just, yeah, we need to trust God at his word and step out in faith and believe that God is alive and God's going to work and God's going to fulfill his purposes. Sometimes I know it crystal clear when I pray for someone and I can feel God's gifts of healing manifest. And I say, be healed, and I know they're going to be healed. Other times I pray a prayer of faith and I know that they're, they're in God's hands and God is going to heal them in the way and time that God's going to do it. Now, do you find that this this is uh, kind of builds on each other, right? The three Ps? Because uh, as I hear you talk about the power, it feels like that the more that you acknowledge the presence, the more that you meet Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit, and the means of grace, right. the more right. you'll have faith enough to access the power. Right. God, yeah, exactly. God becomes real. When you experience God's presence and you're close to him, it's not like someone far off. You know who the Holy Spirit is. You know what God can do. He's done it in you. You have the fruit in your life, and you know what God can do. And so sometimes it just blows people's mind that he is in you like a friend. So like I'm talking to you, and I know you, I know him. I know his mind. And I could yeah. ask him questions in prayer to understand his mind. God, what do you want here? And you could have a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, that'll revolutionize your life. And you'll be able to see miraculous things happen. Little things and big things. Every day, if you open yourself up to it, just pray this prayer. Lord God, use me in a miraculous way. But first, give me the eyes and ears to see what you want to do. Because a lot of times I think we pass up miracle opportunities all day. We gloss them over because we think they're impossible or we don't even consider it. Lord, open my eyes to the miracle moment that you have for me every day. Be it a small thing or a big thing. Be it a small thing or a big thing. We, I, mean, I went over to my daughter's house yesterday, for example. The small miracle was my wife pulled me in the bedroom. She said, Shh, come here, come here, check this out. Her Bible was sitting on her bed. Oh, awesome. Small, <laughs> small miracle. Right. Small miracle. Big miracle. Prayed for a friend who has cancer. Um, he just got his report back. You know, PET scan. Nothing there. Praise God. Clean for now. Hopefully always. Big miracle. Doesn't matter. It's all the hand of God. But to have an expectancy. Expectation is the doorway to all these things to happen. To believe and have an expectation. I and then it. it builds your faith. It's a feedback loop. It's like, oh, wow, look look what he did. He not only did it in the Bible, he's doing it in my life. And so the next time, you add that to your faith. You grow in faith. And you see there's nothing he can't do. So over my 30-some years in ministry, I've seen people be healed and delivered and changed of you name it. Yeah. You name it. I minister to people that have murdered people, mm. that have more notches on uh, on their, their, their murder belt than you have on your Walmart belt. And I've seen those people come to Christ. Yeah. Obviously, people that you would think should be disqualified. Man, that's their sin should disqualify them. I've seen miracles like that. I've seen God heal people of cancer. I've seen God heal people of AIDS. I've also seen God take people who were at their time to go, who were converted, be taken while they had AIDS and cancer and 
God, God, it was their time to go and they died. But they knew Christ, which is the greater healing. Um, I, I've seen all these things and I've had friends and colleagues that have seen these and even more. There's nothing God can't do. I love it. But you got to give God the space to do it. He's a big God. Don't don't make him small. Don't don't cram him into the closet yeah, of your I, son. I don't You're want one a God. hour on Sunday. I don't want a God that I can understand. Right. That doesn't feel like God to me. Right. You can't domesticate God. Right. I don't want to be able to use God like an iPhone operating system. Right. Like I don't want. You know, I this God's got to be so much bigger. He has to be so much bigger. So people have to take him out of that one hour Sunday closet that they have him locked in and pull him out just every that one hour on Sunday to you know fix me, do give me what I need, God, and I'll, and then after that, okay, I got it from here, God, go you know go sit down. And and you're actually uh, the the seminary that I went to and um, big fan of and going back to United Theological Seminary is partnering with uh, Dr. Randy Clark and you're putting on a, a really big Holy Spirit seminar. And that's coming up. Well, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit Seminar is a, a seminar that God put on my heart to do at the seminary where I teach at United, but that it would be um, available to everybody. Everyone can come. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a student, or you're an academic, a pastor, or a layperson. To, to have a seminar that would not be on an academic level, but a very practical level like we're talking now, so that people could learn about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He gave me that vision um, eight years ago, and I've been uh, we've been doing it ever since I launched it eight years ago. And we just bring one speaker in. It's only one day. It's on a Friday. It's the first Friday of December every year. Which this year is December 6th. Yeah. And it's usually at United, but this year it'll be at Christ United Methodist in Kettering on Schroyer. And um, because we're going to need more space. And we invite usually one person in. This year it's Randy Clark of Global Awakening. Um, who ministers all over the world and, and has a lot of stories of the things I'm talking about. And I, even, I haven't even been able to get into all the stories that I could share with you to kind of really, you know, give you some vitamin B12 shot in your arm to really boost your faith. But um, he, he could share those sort of things as well. But we do this every year, and um, people experience the Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit encounter. And people walk away totally full some people are already you know holy spirit people and they come and they just get more of what they already have other people come skeptics we've had skeptics come that literally would be at the altar when people are getting prayed for and they see people falling down in the spirit and go this is the most fake thing i've ever seen this is so canned they're, they're probably pushing them over and stand literally right behind them while they're falling down and saying this is fake until the guy came and laid hands on them, and they fell out and got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and go, wow, I surely was mistaken on that. So we've had all kind of awesome things like that happen. I love it. I love it. And how much, uh, mm. do, do you know how much the cost is? I, think uh, it's like, I forget. I always try to cut it every year. I think it's either 59 or 69 Yeah, I, I think there might be an early bird registration. There's thing. an early bird. What we're going to do is we're going to put a rates. link. We're going to put a link Good, in the show you. notes yeah, so that people you. can get that. Right. Because right. what my prayer is for our conversation today is that it inspires someone to create space for the Holy Spirit in their life. That's all we're wanting to do. You know, he's the holy guest. Make, make room in your heart for him to come and live and dwell. And fellowship with him you never you don't invite guests in your house and you don't entertain them and talk to them and listen to them and you just put them in a corner and ignore mm. them that's so true it's so right it's so right uh so if if somebody wants to you, you're also a, a published author and you've got more books coming if if people want to follow you what's the best way to find uh to find you on the interwebs 
The best way to follow me is follow Jesus. <laughs> don't follow me. Um, no, I, I don't do a lot of that. I'm not good at publicizing myself. If you want to look up any books I have, go on Amazon. Put yeah. my name in. And we'll put a link in there. Yeah, yeah Peter Bellini. I have several books, Truth Therapy, several books in there. Oh, man, uh, I love Unleashed. Truth Therapy. Such a great book. Thanks. So, you know, you can do that. And uh, you can go on United's website, www.united.edu. And if people out. wanted to, they could audit your class. They can the audit Spirit. the class. Such a good class. It was a life-changing class last year. Love to have Two years for me. So, Thank you. Uh, Dr. Bellini, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks for for having me come by and talk. It's always good to talk with you. Listen, we could talk for days Days, on this topic. So um, I'd love to have you come back and share some of those B12 uh, vitamin shots in the arms. Yeah, man, give you some high-octane shots and boosts and... Maybe you can start preaching as a little formal today, but just so your audience gets used to me. Uh, I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Blessings, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for taking the time today to listen to this conversation with Dr. Bellini. Let me just tell you that he lives his life exactly how you think he does, full of the Holy Spirit, on fire for what God is doing. I was so moved by so many things in our conversation today. I think what struck me the most is the awe and wonder of God, right? Because God is still that big and still that incredible. And there's just so many things that God does that we don't even begin to fathom or understand. So uh, we want to answer your questions. Send us your questions at TWMilt on Twitter and Instagram, The Reclamation Podcast with Tony Miltenberger on Facebook. My email is Tony at RestorationCenterville.org. And uh, yeah, we just want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. You can also come to the Holy Spirit Conference. Please come. It's going to be so cool. And, uh, and last but certainly not least, the best compliment you can give us is to share this episode. So go out, tell a friend, uh, share this uh, incredible display of the Holy Spirit. And we look forward to seeing you guys real soon.